Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. and get your last pancake piece of sausage everybody give Jill is Jill in here uh, everybody shout for Jill let her know that you're thankful for Jill yeah did, did, did it I don't want to leave anybody out did anybody else help Jill okay we already celebrated Joel he's he's fine he doesn't get anymore well, I, I am so thankful that you guys chose to worship with us today on Father's Day. Um, I just want to take the opportunity to honor my father. Um, I am the man that I am because I stand on the shoulders of a giant. And God has been so faithful to work through. Yeah, yeah, like, yes, it's God. And, and if you went up and talked to him and said, oh, I, could, I love your son. He's great or whatever. He'll be like, yeah, it was God. Yes, it was God. But it was God being faithful through the hard work of my father. Uh, and so I just want to publicly honor you, Dad. I, 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 have a, I have a real father. And such an awesome example of who my heavenly father is and the father that I can be to my kids, to my boys. So thank you. Yeah. Um, well, this has been an amazing series so far. This is our, our third and second to last week in our series called Canopy. And ultimately what this series is about, it's about structure. See, God has, God has designed us in a specific way with specific structures and guidelines so that we can flourish. And actually, when I, I do this every time I preach, but I, I ask the Lord what I should pray over each and every chair. So over your chair this morning, I prayed that God would show you the beauty of your design. Because if we understand our, our design, if we understand the true beauty of our design, we wouldn't rebel against it. And I think some of the struggles that you might be going through not external struggles, but internal struggles, might be because you are not living out your design, you are rebelling against your design because it just doesn't feel right. The problem is God has a very specific design and structure for your family and for yourself. And when you go outside of that design or structure, when you, when you go outside of that canopy, things start to break, even if it feels good or seems right. And so if you would truly understand the beauty of your design and the beauty of living that out, you would actually live it out. Not perfectly, but increasingly. But the reason why this series is so important is because our culture wants to tear down structures and authority. But biblically, we, we need these structures in our lives. We need these authority structures in our lives to flourish. And, and what we've been saying about canopy is that underneath the canopy, there is protection there is intimacy, there is, there is unity. But I'm just going to take the liberty of boiling it down to one word. It's a word, word I use often, and that is flourishing. The canopy is ultimately about our flourishing, human flourishing. And so to flourish means to develop rapidly and successfully in a vigorous way 
as a result of a particularly favorable environment. That's what the canopy is. The canopy, God's structure and design over your life is to create a particularly favorable environment so that you can flourish. And this has been God's design from the beginning. See, God created this canopy and this structure over your life not to keep you from anything, but to flourish you. God's intent from the beginning was, was twofold. God said, I'm going to create the earth. I'm going to create humanity for two reasons, so that I am glorified because of the flourishing of my creation. That's how it's supposed to work. And so in order to create that environment, in order to create a particularly favorable environment so that we can have rapid, vigorous, and successful growth, we require structure in our lives. And the world wants us to think that real freedom and real flourishing can only be found in the absence of structure. And it's actually kind of like we're living in a, in a weird time because the, uh, the world wants you to think that it's the absence of structure that actually makes you free, but at the same time, they want complete totalitarian control. <laughs> so it, it's a weird time that we live in. And, and God says, no, like it, it, it's not this way or that way. This is the way, right? It is my structure. It's my design that I developed for human flourishing. I wrote the manual. This is how you flourish. Try that. Try this. It's not going to work. Right? And, and, and the thing is, 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 real biblical freedom is ultimately this. And I, I've said this before, at least something like this, that biblical freedom is the exclusive desire to only participate in that which I was designed for. Amen. That's real biblical freedom. It's the ability to choose other things, but the exclusive desire to walk out, to only participate in that I, that I was designed for. And this should make sense to us, Right? And God even has these, these canopy structures in the natural world, right? And this is going to sound silly, but it, it, it makes my point. We're living in a time now where there's a, a certain amount of insanity where you can identify as, as an animal and you can identify as a fish. That's a real thing. No matter how much a person that identifies as a fish believes that they are a fish, if you throw them in the water and they try to live underwater... I promise you, as a biologist and, and, and a clinician, their body will not let them stay underwater. No matter how much they believe it up here, they will come up to the surface. God has designed you for a specific structure. And that design happens to be not living underwater, but breathing air and oxygen. Right? So it, it's silly in its surface level, but it, it is so obvious that God has designed from the beginning that there are structures over our lives that if we step outside of them, if you go and try and live in the ocean, you will die. It's the same thing for your spiritual walk. If you live outside of his design, it will at the very, at the very least inhibit you, if not ultimately destroy you. God's design is for your flourishing. And so that's what we're exploring in this series, these, these structures that God has placed over our lives that are not to hold you back, not to control you, but to flourish you. Because in order to flourish, you need structure. You need a particularly favorable environment. And so this morning, I have the privilege of wading through the cultural minefield of the roles of men and women and marriage. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So that being said, I'm going to pray <laughs> because, because I need it and also because you need it so that you don't send my wife 100 emails. And if you do, I'm probably going to ignore most of them 
Because if you want to send an email about a real question, that's fine. If you want to send an email arguing with the truth, I'm going to ignore it. If, if, if I said something in a way that it was particularly offensive to you, the way I said it, I apologize for up front. The truth that was said, I do not apologize for that. There we go. Okay. So, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. God, thank you that we live in a country that still celebrates Father's Day, even if culturally we have completely denied that fathers even exist. God, forgive us. So God, right now, as I prayed over every chair, I also pray over this country. Would you, would you illuminate our eyes to the beauty of our design? Would you illuminate our eyes to, to, to the beauty of what a father really is, of what, a, of what a woman and a wife and a mother really is? And God, would we not stray from it? God, would we, would we continue to surrender to you underneath your canopy and walk out our design so that all of humanity can flourish? So God, would you open our eyes this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 5, through 27. This is probably one of the most predictable passages that I could have uh, brought up with this particular topic. So, it, 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 yeah, it, it's... It's fine. It is what it is. And I'm going to parse it down because there's a lot of other passages I could pull from in the Bible to make the points I'm going to make. But for the sake of time, I'm going to keep it as uh, succinct as possible. So, and this is also one of the things where you're probably going to start sending emails right now. Like your, your fingers are going to be ready. So, and I don't care because you can't argue with Ephesians 5. It's in the Bible. It is what it is. So, Ephesians 5.22. Wives. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a glorious church without stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. Everybody comfortable yet? Yeah, let's do it. So let's just start, let's just break this down. So what I'm ultimately going to do here is I'm just going to kind of set a framework, a biblical framework for the rest of the things that I'm going to say in the message. So that, that's, that's what the purpose of walking through this is here really quickly. So verses 22 through 24, Paul here draws... A correlation between wives submitting to their husbands as to the Lord and as the church submits to Christ. And the last phrase in verse 24 there has been used by weak men to exercise unilateral control over women. Wives submit to your husbands and everything. Frankly, that's an absolute abuse of the word of God and an abuse of his design. The word everything there in the Greek is pas, which, which actually means each and every part that applies to the whole. Each and every part that applies to the whole. And so let me ask you this question. 
this does not mean that there's uniform blind submission. Like wives submit to your husbands and everything doesn't mean uniform blind submission. That's not what that means. Because then the question is this, does Christ lead his church outside of the canopy of God's provision and blessing? If a wife is supposed to submit to her husband as, as the church submits to Christ and as she submits to the Lord, does the Lord ever lead her outside of the canopy? Does Christ ever lead the church outside of the canopy? Does submission to the Lord ever result in anything but sanctification, holiness, and ultimate flourishing? No. Therefore, wives, if your husband is directly calling you to sin or pulling you outside of God's canopy, you are not biblically required to submit to him in those things. In those things. Other things, yes. Those things, no. However, just because you don't like something or just because it doesn't fit your preference doesn't mean that you are not ultimately called to submit to it. And again, this does not give men unilateral control or decision-making power. However, it does infer that within the canopy of God, within what is good and right for human flourishing, where there is a disagreement between husband and wife, the wife is called to give deference to the husband, frankly, for the sole reason that the husband is ultimately the one who will give an account to God. He bears that responsibility. And so as long as he is submitted under the canopy of the Father and he is surrendered to him, and he is surrendered to the, to the, uh, the church authority over him, which Rochelle talked about last week, if there's a disagreement between you and he's not directly calling you to sin, Ephesians says that wives are supposed to give deference to the husband and submit to it. Does that make sense? Okay. Men, your turn. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a glorious church without stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. So men, you've probably heard this before, probably at your wedding, right? If it was a good wedding, if, if the person officiating the wedding was good, he probably would have challenged you with this. Husbands, we are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We are called to lay down our lives both in life and in death for their good and for their flourishing and the flourishing of everything underneath your canopy, your children and the people around you. But this is something that I don't know that I've heard taught before, specifically in regard to this passage. What else did Jesus freely give the church to sanctify her? Like, yes, he gave his life. He died on the cross. He sacrificed himself for the church. Yes, men, we are supposed to do that for our wives and for our family. But what else did Jesus freely give? to sanctify his people, to sanctify his church. He gave his nature. And so I want you to think about that, man. He gave his nature. He transformed us by freely giving us his nature. And so what that means for us is that, yes, we must lay down our lives for our wives and for our family. Their lives should be washed and fertilized with the life-giving words that are coming out of your mouth. But not only that, your nature, the very person that you are, should be so life-giving that just by her being around you, she is sanctified and purified and encouraged and made blameless without blemish, a glorious presentation to the Lord. 
You are supposed to freely give of your nature so that she is transformed and sanctified and your kids are and everything else under your canopy. So how ultimately does, do these concepts fit under the concept of canopy? What authority structures and responsibilities that God has ordained and designed are at play here that we need to pay attention to? And remember, God puts these structures and these roles in our lives to create an environment that produces flourishing and a fruitful execution of his purposes for us. And so let's get into it. Men, you're first. Men, you are primarily responsible for creating the canopy for your family and those under your charge. Just the way that it is. That is your responsibility. You are primarily responsible for creating a canopy over you, your family, and those who are under your charge. We've been saying that the, the, the canopy is a place of, of protection and, and unity and intimacy, which it, which it ultimately is. But the connotations are, are definitely deeper than that. And I want you to think of, of, of a greenhouse. My father is a, a horticulturalist, so he's going to love this. But think of a greenhouse, right? It provides protection from the elements. But it also creates an environment that is specifically designed for the flourishing of whatever is inside of it. And different plants need different greenhouses. My dad owned his own business, and there were three different greenhouses. And I promise you, those greenhouses had different environments because there were different things growing in them. Is that right, Dad? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I know it's true. Maybe not for the plants that you had, but I know it's, I, I, I know it's true in general. There you go. It also creates an environment where they are trained for the purposes that God has for them. Right? See, our lives are not just about being good humans. Right? God has work for us to do. He has always had work for us to do, even from the beginning when things were still perfect. God said, Adam, work and keep the garden. We are called to produce and to work out human flourishing. And so the canopy is a place where we are also trained for the purposes that God has for us. And so, men, the canopy that you are meant to establish is also meant to be a training ground for your family and for the people underneath your charge. And I want to put this before you. People might have a purpose and a mission over themselves and their family that looks different than yours. What is growing underneath their canopy might require a different environment than what is under your canopy. And over the past two years, we've gotten very good at looking at our fellow Christians and pointing out things that we think are damaging to the body of Christ, but I want to offer this perspective. As long as that person is in submission to the canopy of the Father, and in order to make that judgment, you actually have to know the person, right? So let's start there. If that person's in submission to the canopy of the Father, we should have a very wide berth of grace for our brothers and sisters. See, what the enemy has done over the past two years in the church is he, he created an environment that has highlighted the differences within the broader canopy of God, and he has convinced us that there are enemies, not our brothers and sisters. See, maybe what is growing underneath their canopy and the future plans that God has for them is different than what's under yours. So it's going to look a little different. 
If the people around us are under the canopy of God, our attitudes toward them must be first, be one of, first be one of grace and collaboration, not condemnation. So, man, it has to start with you staying under the canopy and being surrendered to your heavenly father. And if that is not intact, your family suffers. Simple as that. If you are not surrendered to your heavenly father, if you are not surrendered to the leadership over your life, including the church, your family will suffer. But again, it goes further than that. God is calling you to establish a specific canopy over your family and those you are called to serve. And in my case, as a leader of this church, my immediate charge will always be for my family. But I also have a role to play in establishing part of the canopy over you so that you find a place where you are protected, where you find intimacy and unity, and a place where you are trained for the purposes that God has for you. And guess what? My portion of the canopy over my family and over this church is going to look different than other people in this church. And that's not just a good thing. It is, a, it is by design. God does not make cookie-cutter churches or cookie-cutter families. Yes, we are all called to be planted under his canopy. We are required to be planted under his canopy. But the purposes under his canopy are diverse. And we need to walk that out. We are called to be a mosaic of the beauty of the gospel. And then it's God's design that you are primarily the one responsible to establish that canopy over your family. Psalm 128, 1 through 4 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, who is submitted underneath the canopy of the Father. You shall eat the fruit of, of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it will be well with you. You will flourish. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Men, you must first surrender to the canopy of your father. And if you do that well, your family will be blessed. If you aren't dying to yourself, if you're not sacrificing for your wife, your marriage is not flourishing in the way that God designed it. Men, God designed you to be a sacrificer a defender and a tender of the garden that God has put under your charge. And so if you're feeling stale in your marriage, if your love has started to grow cold, if you are struggling with, with lust, either real or virtual, let me propose to you that it's possible you are not walking out your design as a sacrificer, you've become a taker. You have gotten comfortable, and in that comfort, you are taking. You are not giving and sacrificing. And so if there's something awry in your family or in your marriage, because the responsibility starts with you, you need to check yourself first. You need to determine if you are walking out the true design that God has over your life as a sacrificer, not a taker. The way to lead is to serve. Your self-sacrifice creates an environment that God has designed to prosper your family. And men, your sacrifice isn't just working a hard job for, so your family can survive. Yes, that, that is exactly what you are supposed to do, but your job is not done when you unlace your proverbial boots. You still have more work to do. 
So the question is, men, are you accepting God's charge over you and over your family? Are you receiving revelation from him on how to establish a specific canopy over your family for the purposes that God has for you? Are you surrendered to his canopy? Are you surrendered to the authority structures that God has put over you, the human structures like the church that God has placed over you? Feeling overwhelmed yet, men? Good. Because women, your design is to be a helper. Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. That's the first time he ever said that in all of creation. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. The word helper there is the Hebrew word ezer. Ezer is used two times in reference to women. Every other time that it's used in the Old Testament, that it's because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament's written in Greek, different words. Every, time, every other time it's used in the Old Testament, it is almost always used in reference to God as the helper of Israel. This is not a subordinate role. It's a necessary role. David often uses it in the Psalms as reference to a shield or a defender. The one who comes to the rescue. And so ladies, I want you to visualize what God's design is for your life. You are called to be a shield, a protector, an advocate, one who comes to the rescue. a role that is completely necessary. See, this is not a role of direct subordination, but it's a role of one who is uniquely empowered to provide necessary aid to those in need. This is, let me say that again. Craig got it. Heather got it. <laughs> Ladies, this is not a role of subordination, but it is one that is uniquely empowered, that has unique gifts, that has a unique mentality, to provide necessary aid to those in need. And many of the uses in Ezer of the old, in the Old Testament would suggest that apart from the helper, the other party would have little to no chance of success. And so women, do you see what your God-ordained role is here? This is not a place of direct subordination. It is a place of empowerment. Feel good, ladies? Yeah? Yeah? Good. Good. So how does nagging fit into this role? How does nagging fit into this role? How does talking negatively to your husband or about your husband to people that he doesn't even know fit into this role? How does disrespecting your husband mean that you are a shield and a defender and an advocate and the one who is empowered to come and provide necessary aid to those in need? Because listen, ladies, your husband needs you. And if you are an expert in his weaknesses, he is not being empowered to walk out his design either. And you are also not walking out your design. Yes, weak men have used the verses in Ephesians that I talked about and verses elsewhere to take advantage of women in order to control and manipulate them for their own pleasure 
and to stroke their own ego and insecurity. Absolutely. It's a travesty. However, ladies, just because weak men have abused passages that talk about wives submitting to their husbands doesn't mean they aren't true, doesn't mean they aren't right, doesn't mean they aren't good, and does not mean that it is not God's direct design for your life for the purpose of human flourishing, not just the flourishing in your family, but all of humanity. Now, I want to be very clear, 100% clear. Women, if you're in an abusive situation, physically or emotionally, if your husband has used his physicality to intimidate you, to control you, to manipulate you, if he has used intimidation in his voice to belittle you, and this is a persistent problem that is never going away, I might be the first one to tell you, you should probably leave. You should probably leave. Maybe it's for a short season. Maybe it's for forever, but that is a toxic situation with a man who has not surrendered to his father, and you do not need to submit to that. That is not each and every part of the whole, not each and every part of what applies. He is not walking out his design, and he is causing you to not walk out your design. We will support you where he has failed. We will give you a place of respite so that you can heal. And so please hear that caveat in light of what I'm about to say. Women, your God-given design is to be your husband's easer his protector, his shield, his support, his advocate, the one who comes to his aid when he has little to no chance of success on his own. And this is not, this is not some cultural deprecation of men, you know, the, the stupid husband that always burns the dinner and gets himself tangled up in the blinds and he's going <laughs> to die without the wife's help. That, that, that is not what this is about. Men, you have a high calling on your lives, and God, God designed it that way so that you would have to also rely and co-labor with your helper. Your design is to be a submitted and respectful helper. Don't argue with me. Argue with Ephesians 5. And so, ladies, if your husband is under the canopy, if he has surrendered to his authority, it has very little to do with whether you think he deserves encouragement or respect. Because chances are, if he is under the authority of his father and he has placed himself under the authority of the church, there are probably a lot of reasons for you to encourage him and respect him. Doesn't mean that he's perfect. Absolutely not. But it means there are probably a lot of reasons for encouragement and respect. Women, this is your role and design to co-labor with your husband, to create an environment so that everything you touch flourishes. That is your design. That is your calling. When you step outside of it, society starts to break. This also has nothing to do with your natural personality or your natural bent. Well, I just tend to really always find things that need fixed. I tend to see problems. And so when I see them, I just let them know. You're probably going to need a little bit of extra help from the Holy Spirit. It's just the way that it is. 
Rather than telling him everything he needs to fix, what if you were an expert in your husband's strengths? And you tell him that you see his strengths in the way that he will receive it best. What would that do to your marriage? What if you were actually empowering your husband to walk out the design that God has for his life? And now that he is empowered, maybe now he starts to serve you better than he did before. Because now he's empowered to walk out his design. Be an expert in your husband's strengths. And tell him when you see them, in whatever way he will receive them best. Guarantee you something will change very quickly. See, because weak men have abused these passages, I think we've ultimately lost the true purpose of what the role of a submitted helper really is. Women, your respect and love and encouragement is not designed to stroke his ego. It is not designed to place you in subordination under him. It is not designed to make him feel important or powerful. It is designed to empower him. Do you see the difference? Your encouragement, your respect, your love for your husband, you being an expert in his strengths, is not designed to stroke his ego. It's not designed so that he feels more important than you or place him or place yourself in subjection underneath of him. It's so that he is empowered to develop a canopy over your family that produces flourishing for you, for your children, and anybody else under his charge. This is how you co-labor together as man and woman, as husband and wife to establish an environment that produces more flourishing. This is how you co-labor together in the Lord. So you see, God said it is not good for man to be establishing this canopy over his family alone. God said it is not good for man to be establishing this canopy over his family alone. And being the one primary, primarily responsible for the canopy, I get tired. I get weary. I lose my way. My eyes are taken off course. And sometimes I tend to look at the difficult things and the hard things and the things that I'm responsible for more than the blessing and the design that I'm walking out in the Father. But God has given me an easer to encourage me. He has given me a helper to hold me up. He has given me a shield and a defender to snuff out the flaming darts of the enemy when he tries to lie to me to convince me that I am not a man of God, to tell me that I am not adequate for the things that he has called me into. I have an easer. And because I know that she always has my back and she always wants what's best for our family, and if she has been an expert in my strengths, when she does come to me with a gentle correction, notice the words gentle there. When she does come to me with a gentle correction, it wrecks me every single time. The quickest way to get me to cry 
in our marriage is if I find out that there's some way that I have not been serving her well, or if there's some way that I've not been leading our family well, it destroys me. And God has been so faithful to use her voice in my life to sanctify me, to make me a better man, and to empower me to lead our family well. That is an easer. When she does that, our canopy is built together. We are co-laboring together. And our family and everything that we touch flourishes. Now, if she was a nagging wife, if she was an expert in my weaknesses, I promise you, I would have a much harder time hearing the voice of the Lord through her. And she has never been that in the entirety of our marriage by God's grace. And because of that, God has been faithful to use her in my life to sanctify me and and, and help us create a better canopy that produces even more flourishing. See, men, we need our helpers. We need them. Again, in most of the uses of the word easer in the Old Testament, the other party would have very little, if any, chance of success without the easer coming to their aid. Doesn't mean that you are inadequate, doesn't mean that you're less of a man, it means that that's how God designed it. And there's beauty in that. Don't try to resist the beauty of God's design and how, th- how he has worked these things out to be. Just last week, Holly and I had to walk through a situation where I had subjected myself to carrying all of the weight about something that's going on in our lives. I had subjected myself to carrying the weight. And yes, the responsibility is mine. I am the one who will ultimately give an account. But what I was doing by keeping all of the weight on myself is I was robbing Holly of the ability to walk out her design as my easer. I was robbing Holly of the ability to walk out her design and her role in our marriage and her role in this world for the good of human flourishing to be an easer. And so men, when you lead in such a way that denies your spouse of their God-ordained design to help and co-labor with you, you are robbing them of one of their roles under the canopy and you are limiting human flourishing in your family and in everything that you touch. If you are not allowing her to co-labor with you by the way that you lead your family, you are limiting the flourishing in your family and what God can do through you. God's design is that we are co-laborers and co-heirs with Christ, living in humble submission to each other and working together to establish an environment so that everything we touch flourishes. That is the beauty of the gospel and the design of God. And the problem is that as Christians, we've done a very poor job of living out that design and displaying the beauty of what that actually looks like to the world. And so now we have come to a point where you don't really need a father. You don't really need a mother. because the world has lost the vision of the beauty of God's design for human flourishing. And 
so church, if we as Christians, if we as, as husbands and wives would truly live out that design and live it out loud, people would not be helped to be, people could not help but to be drawn under the canopy of God because it is so beautiful. There is so much flourishing. Not too late. You lost your chance to clap. When we live out this design for our lives, there is protection, there is intimacy, there is flourishing underneath your canopy, and it's a training ground for the next generation. When we live under God's canopy, the beauty of his design for human flourishing is so apparent that people cannot be helped but be drawn into it. So church, that's my challenge to you. So I just want to create the opportunity for you to respond. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't want to make this weird or awkward. I don't want you to think that just because you come up front with your husband or with your wife that that means your, your marriage is on the rocks or it's damaged or you are so close to quitting. If that's the case, please come forward. We will help you. We will, we will carry you. We will encourage you. We will walk, walk alongside of you. But maybe you just need a reset. Holly and I needed a reset last week. Maybe you just need a reset. And so, men, let me challenge you in this. As the leader of your family, if you have even the smallest inkling that you need to do it, you take the first baby step and then let your easer help you the rest of the way. But I want you to lead. And just because you don't come up doesn't mean that you're all good. Like, if you feel convicted, like, you know what? We need a reset. Like, yeah, like life is good, but we need a reset. Come forward and do it. Men who are not married yet, but close. Establish the canopy now. Do it now. Future wives, learn how to be a helper now. It doesn't get easier once the ring is on, once you've had your honeymoon. Do it now. Single men, even if you don't have any prospects, in fact, especially if you don't have any prospects, I promise you, if you create an environment around yourself so that everything you touch flourishes, some hot mama is going to come along and say, I want, I want every piece of what's going on in there under that canopy. Serious. And ladies, if you're still single, no prospects on the horizon, man, I promise you, if you learn how to be a helper, a really good helper, that guy who's building the canopy is going to say, something is insufficient here. Oh. I would like to have whatever is going on over there. Okay. So if you feel led, if you just need a reset, or if your marriage is on the rocks and it's about ready to die, come forward. We want to help you. We want to help you walk out God's design for your life, for your family, for your flourishing, and the people that are coming after you. I'm going to pray, and the band's going to play another song.
Father, I just pray again, would you open our eyes to the beauty of your design? The beauty of your design for marriages, the beauty of your design for men and women, and the way that you have especially equipped each of us so that the world flourishes. God, I pray against the lies of the enemy that has convinced this world that we don't need fathers. I pray against the lie that there is no difference between men and women. God, you have designed a difference between men and women and it is so beautiful and so necessary for our flourishing and for the flourishing of all of humanity. So God, right now in this moment, would you just rest your spirit on this place? God, would you give us eyes to see the true beauty of our design? God, if we would just catch a glimpse of how beautiful your design is for us, we would walk it out, we would pursue it, not perfectly, but increasingly. So God, I just pray for that revelation now, young and old, married and single. Would you show them the beauty of their design? Would you empower them to walk it out? And God, through the canopies that you are establishing in this room, God, would you create flourishing in Peoria? Would you create flourishing in our families, in our church, in Peoria? And may that flourishing and may the beauty of your design radiate and draw people to yourself. Draw them to the truth. Draw them to the, to the beauty of what it looks like to surrender to you. Come and do it, Lord.